The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm feeling fantastic. So wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Whatever you're doing, driving home from work, maybe you're at work trying to get through the day, you're moving, you're getting ready for a date, getting ready to ask that one person. I'm taking requests, baby. Casey Kasem, whatever you whatever you need. <laughs> hey, Valentine's Day has passed. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, try and find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star review. I swear it's not for our ego. It's for the business end of things. Get us up those charts. Find us on YouTube at the Jet Press. Hit that subscribe button and hit that little bell so you get a notification on your phone whenever we go live. We got another good show planned for you. Thanks to Joe Douglas and thanks to more quarterback rumors because – we're really coming into the home stretch now. It seems like in the next week or two weeks or however long it is, if we are to believe what Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers are saying, that we could have some clarity and some final decisions on what's going to happen. So we'll get to that, but I want to start with Joe Douglas because he talked for quite a while at the NFL Combine, and these aren't always the most informative necessarily. There's a lot of cliche answers, and there's a lot of, eh, you know, we'll do what's best for our football team, all that sort of PR speak that comes out. But there, Joe Douglas had some very interesting nuggets about the quarterback situation and the current roster as a whole, starting with Quinn and Williams, because no matter what they do with the quarterbacks, Quinn and Williams needs to get an extension. With how he performed last year, how integral he is to that defense, the fact that he's still an ascending player, not giving him an extension that either resets the defensive tackle market or comes, he's not going to, outside of Aaron Donald. If he doesn't get that, I think that's complete general manager malpractice. Now, Douglas did say that they feel good about the discussions that they've had with Williams and his agent. So if we're going to take that as at face value, it sounds like there's some sort of extension brewing, which will be manna from heaven for Robert Sala and this Jets defense, because this team just would not operate in the same way without Quinn and Williams. For sure. I, I think of all the takeaways from the Joe Douglas press conference yesterday, because like you said, a lot of it is just GM speak. It's just, you know, just words for the sake of words to answer questions. But I think of any of the takeaways, the Quinn and Williams comments are my biggest takeaway because he sounded Joe Douglas. That is sounded like someone who is very optimistic and very hopeful that an extension will be reached. Uh, like you said, they said they had had several good discussions with both Quinnen and his agent, Nicole Lynn. And it sounds like they're nearing an extension. I don't know if it'll be done within a couple of weeks, but it sounds like it will be done before the OTA period, which, you know, Quinnen Williams earlier in the offseason had said that 
they he wants an extension done before then or else he likely will not show up for voluntary OTAs, which is totally reasonable and fair given his situation. I do expect the deal to get done, and I'm very hopeful because of the way that Joe Douglas sounded. He sounded very hopeful and optimistic that an extension will be reached. What that could look like, I believe we've talked about it before. I don't think it'll be the Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers. Jeez, listen to talk too much Aaron Rodgers stuff, man. He's in my head. <laughs> it's we're um, almost done, man. It's something's it's, coming. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but I don't think it'll be at that Aaron Donald level, but I do think it'll be probably making him the second highest paid defensive tackle in football. And given how he performed last year, it's hard to say he doesn't deserve that. Now, the other thing that we had to talk about, not just Quentin Williams, or at least that Joe Douglas went into, was some of the injuries on this team because this team was banged up at the end of the year. And it wasn't just you know, rinky-dink guys, practice squad guys, special teamers, backup defensive backs, core pieces. Brees Hall, Elijah Vera Tucker, Makai Becton. Past week six, none of them were healthy. Some good news from Douglas. Brees Hall is doing great, quote-unquote, in his recovery. Douglas said both Brees and Vera Tucker are doing very well. Makai Becton, he also has said, said, is progressing very nicely encouraging is that Douglas said Hall is going to be ready by the start of the 2023 season. At least that's the plan right now. Hall, in my opinion, is going to be the most important non-quarterback on this Jets offense because we can talk about the offensive line. We can talk about Garrett Wilson continuing to get better and what Nathaniel Hackett's going to end up doing. Part of the reason Hackett was brought in, allegedly, is that he's a running back savant and that he had things working in Buffalo, he had things working in Jacksonville. And one thing he does have legitimately to his resume that I'm not going to impugn or snipe at is that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon really transformed under his watch. So the theory behind this is we're going to add him to Brees Hall, and then we have a Pro Bowl running back. If that doesn't work, no matter who's the quarterback, I don't want to use the word screwed because that sounds too hyperbolic and too, oh my God, the sky is falling. But I, I mean, it might be. I mean, Brees Hall has very quickly become that integral to the offense. So it's good that he's recovering well. Now, I, I need to see the first four or five games before I'm totally like convinced that Brees Hall is going to be quote unquote back because even though he's a bigger guy at about like 220 pounds, I believe he's listed at. He's a speed back. He's a playmaking, home run hitting back. If that's sapped at all, which is not uncommon for an ACL injury. I know everybody kind of recovers differently. Some guys turn out better. Some guys never get that that quickness, that explosion back. So I'm, I'm my heart's been pounding because I just want to see Brees Hall rip off 80-yard runs again. But Douglas made it seem like he's progressing well and that we're going to see old Brees Hall and Iowa State Brees Hall pretty soon. We can hope. I mean, his value to this offense is, is like you said, unmatched. And we saw that last year, despite the Jets having quite literally the worst quarterback play in the entire NFL. They were winning early in the season. And a lot of the reason for that was Brees Hall. Hall himself masked the issues that the Jets had at quarterback. You know, Zach Wilson was playing poorly, but the Jets were still winning largely because of how good Brees Hall was. Even that Broncos game where he got hurt, they only won that game because he had that one long run. Like, that's pretty much the only reason that they were able to, other than their defensive performance, the only reason they were able to even score points on offense. His value is, is like you said, unmatched to any player probably on that offense right now. I mean, obviously, they don't have a quarterback yet, but if he's 
even 90% of the player that he was in 2022, that's massive for the Jets. And again, you mentioned it. Everybody recovers differently. Some guys, it takes them a year or even, you know, maybe by their second year, they're still not 100%. Sometimes you get Adrian Peterson, who tears his ACL and, and comes back and wins MVP, right? So you never really know how a player is going to recover. It is very encouraging, though, that it sounds like Brees Hall is going to be full speed by, by week one. Sounds like he's going to be back by training camp, at least when he spoke to the media last. That's what he said. He said his goal was to be ready by training camp, and he expected to do so. And if that's the case, if he's ready by, by mid-July, that's that's awesome because now he has that entire preseason where he'll get to compete maybe in the Hall of Fame game. I'm not sure he will be, will be playing in the preseason, but maybe uh, he gets that entire month and a half to just prepare as a normal player instead of continuing his rehab. And that's important. Another guy that Joe Douglas spoke about was Makai Becton. And they talked about Mackay. He talked about Mackay Becton. His quote was, I believe he said, Mackay's in as good of a place now as he's seen him in a long time. Of course, we've seen Becton on Twitter posting those um, those pictures. And he's put, I think he's put it on Instagram too, of him working out. And he seems to be in phenomenal shape. He seems to be motivated. Uh, he got into a little scuffle with me on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that, Mike. Um, Which is weird because Justin's been the biggest Mackay Becton supporter on this very show, mind you, if you're yeah. listening, Mr. Becton, he said you could be a top five <laughs> offensive tackle in the league, and I was the one going, whoa, 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 whoa. I, 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 look, I don't want to start any beef with – I love Mikai Becton. I wish him you love the guy. We're trying I to wish, do the opposite of a beef. <laughs> what's even funnier is even before that, right, this dates back to – I don't know if you even know about this, but dating back to like June or something. Uh, there was a whole thing where Boomer Esiason, I think I've mentioned this to you, Boomer Esiason said something along the lines of that the Jets were going to cut Mackay Becton last offseason, which insane. That literally could not have happened for financial reasons. They weren't going to do it. I wrote an article saying that, oh, you know, that's that's a foolish thing to say. I use the word foolish. Somehow, I guess they got a hold of that on the show on WFAN and they were just destroying me for it. I get I wake up to like DMs and people messaging me and being like, yo, they're they're going at you on WFAN. And I was like, Okay, so I, I listened in quickly and I ended up calling into the show and I debated and defended Makai Becton for like a good five to seven minutes or something like that. Uh, so I, I love Makai Becton. I want nothing but the best for him. I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he comes back, kills it. Quinn Williams just posted on Instagram. He said that he thinks Becton's going to come back this year and be the best tackle in football. I hope that happens. Like, I, of course I hope that happens for him. Who as a would root against this guy? Right, for the Jets, I hope it. However, that being said, the Jets are not and should not put all their eggs in Mackay Becton's basket, assuming he's going to stay healthy. He's played one game since his rookie year. That is not something to be taken lightly. And I think everybody knows that. So I just, you know, I don't think Mackay Becton will ever hear this. But if he somehow did, uh, I just want him to know. I wish him all the best, man. I, I, I wish him all the best. I hope he comes back and heals it. Nothing personal. But from a Jets perspective, they can't exactly rely on him to stay healthy. They can't rely on him to stay healthy. And there, I still think that there is going to be a little bit of a learning curve in terms of adjusting to this offense. Because, I mean, there's really his only extended playing time was Adam Gase's offense, which it, what I always hated about the Adam Gase offense was there was never seen to be any sort of identity. Like, are we up the middle? Are we a lot of outside zone duo stuff? Are we air raid? Are we chucking it deep? It seemed like he just kind of – Oh, let's try this now. And then that didn't work. Mm. One, but one thing that I definitely see compared when you look at Gase and then both Mike LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett is both Mike LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett are going to do a lot more outside zone, having these linemen get on the move. And that's something that even though Becton, for a guy his monstrous size at 360 pounds he's listed at, can move well for that size comparatively, 
I, I don't know compared to just baseline tackles how well it's going to be. I, I want to see – now, if he moves well and you get a 360-pound freight train coming at you at the second level, I mean, you might as well just give Brees Hall touchdowns as soon as he gets into the secondary because that is going to be just monstrous gaping holes. So even if he returns healthy, there are going to be some parts of that. I don't love his schematic fit, but we're rooting for him. They're going to give him every opportunity because Douglas does not, the offensive line mastermind Joe Douglas does not want his first offensive line first round pick to crash and burn like this. Uh, Mike in chat says, uh, who do you guys think they'll get in the first round? I want to bring this up because I think the Becton status or Becton status rather is really going to influence what they end up doing at 13. Because if they feel confident in Becton and they find someone else for right tackle, be it Elijah Vera Tucker or whoever it may be, like a veteran in free agency, I think that they could use first round and maybe a defensive back or a linebacker or even trade down. I think that that could definitely be a real possibility. If they are not sold on Makai Becton, which is a big, 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 big question mark, I think that offensive tackle is probably going to be the pick at 13. So that's why these next couple months, even though there's not going to be any games played, are going to be immense for Becton's future. I I completely agree. I feel like regardless of what happens, like you need a sure thing in that offensive line room, specifically an offensive tackle. You need at least one guy where you know I we can rely on him to stay healthy and to play at least at a capable level. And, and who's that for the Jets? Connor McGovern, maybe? Right. I, well, I mean, even like, yeah, I guess if you're talking the entire offensive line, he's not even under contract. Um, but <laughs> it's Lake and Tomlinson, who was not very good last year. not. But even like specifically at offensive tackle, I don't think you have that on the roster right now. Uh, even if Dwayne Brown plays next year, which he might, he underwent, uh, a, I think, a, a shoulder, um, not surgery, or maybe it was a surgery. Procedure. 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 Thank you. That was the word yeah. I was trying to think of. A shoulder a shoulder procedure this offseason. He played through a shoulder injury through most of 2022. He might retire. They don't. This Jets still don't know his status. But either way, you're not relying on him to stay healthy and even to play at it. Like, he's going to be, what, 40 years old or something? Um, so you can't really rely on that. And obviously, we've already established, you can't rely on Beckton to stay healthy. And so unless your plan is to stick Vera Tucker at right tackle to, to keep him there, I think you almost have to add an offensive line, an offensive tackle this offseason, probably early in the draft, unless your, your plan is to keep Vera Tucker right tackle. And if that's your plan, then you should probably draft the guard. You know, I, so I, I think right now, regardless of what their internal belief is on Mekhi Becton, I, I, actually, this relates to a, uh, a comment I'll bring up here from, from Kev, where he said, would any, would any GM say that their top running back or offensive tackle and say that they're struggling? Presser is like a politician talking, but it's expected. I think with these press conferences you need to read between the lines and i think you can do that with with joe douglas because in the past when they've spoken about injuries whether they're speaking about becton last year whether they're speaking about george fant or whatever they've gotten kind of burned with some with some of these predictions more so robert sala has gotten burned with those um and i think that they've sounded maybe more optimistic and since that they've got since those times that they've gotten burned the last like five months i'd say they've really curbed what they've said when it comes to injuries they've kind of towed that line and, and bit a little bit more like like they don't want to they don't want to commit right because they don't want it, the, their comments to, to come back to bite them i think the comments that they said about Brees and the comments they said about becton are notable to me then because they sounded genuinely optimistic about them i don't think they're going to come out and say that they expect Brees all to be ready by opening day if they do not fully expect that to happen like 100 percent. if there was even a 15% chance in their mind that Brees Hall was not going to be ready by week one. I don't think they come out and say what they said uh, uh, yesterday. I, I genuinely don't. So I fully expect, barring a setback, because setbacks can happen, 
uh, barring a setback, that they genuinely do believe Brees Hall will be ready. I do fully believe that they are very pleased and optimistic with Mekhi Becton's progress this offseason. Again, being optimistic does not mean they can rely on him because obviously they can't. This is a prove-it league. Becton needs to go out there, prove that he can stay healthy, and perform at a high level, similar to the level he played as a rookie because he was playing at a very high level as a rookie. If he can do that, then maybe you could talk about relying on him more. But right now, I don't think they have that guy on the roster. I don't think they have a tackle they can rely on. So I would still lean towards them taking an offensive tackle in the first round. They may not have a tackle they can rely on or a quarterback that they can rely on because Zach Wilson is still on the roster. And for everybody that kind of criticizes these conferences, as, oh, they're just being diplomatic and they're not being honest. Here, Joe Douglas, because he tried to give the most basic milk toast non-offensive quote ever on Zach Wilson, I guess because it's LOL Jets. It got twisted into, oh, my God, they don't know what they're doing. Here's what Joe Douglas says about Zach Wilson. Quote, our stance on Zach hasn't changed. There is a very high ceiling. We still feel still feel strongly. Holy crap. You got it, you got still it. feel strongly that Zach is going to be able to hit his ceiling. That is no, let me just ask you this, Jets fans, because we all know Zach Wilson was awful last year. We get it. There's you could rephrase it any way you want. He was either the worst or the second worst quarterback in the league, depending on what metric you want to use. Terrible. Fine. What possible benefit? Could there be to the Jets, Joe Douglas, or Zach Wilson for him to go, boy, that's Zach Wilson, man. <laughs> Did you watch him? He was terrible. What possibly – how could that possibly help the Jets? If he stays, number one, you're just beating the kid down even more at a point when the New York media has been beating him down relentlessly for the last three months just just on a basic human level and basic decency. Like, you don't need to do that at that point. That's just kicking a guy while he's down. And if you want to get rid of him – why would you tarnish your own asset and say, hey, this guy stinks? This is classic. The Cardinals saying Josh is our guy when they had Josh Rosen and everybody knew they were going to take Kyler Murray. It's salesmanship. They want to beef up their asset if they want to get anything for him. Do I think they'll trade him? Probably not because then you're just paying him for the next two years for to, to play for somebody else. But at the same time, if a team like the Cardinals who have Kyler Murray out and could need a quarterback – Maybe someone like on Tennessee is looking for like a high-end backup. If they come with an offer, I wouldn't be surprised. You, you just got to keep pumping them up, man. There's no there's not no benefit to being honest right now and being like, oh, man, Zach Wilson. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, you're, you're never going to see a GM or a coach, or at least you shouldn't ever see it, come, like just badmouth their player in a press conference. There's absolutely no reason to do that in – pretty much any circumstance especially alone at the freaking combine yeah exactly especially one like this where you just mentioned that there's zero benefit to doing so they're either going to try and improve his value by talking good of him and saying we still believe in him that's why they're saying that we want to develop him because there's no downside to saying that comment either they make him feel better about his own situation right and it's a positive thing for him and the organization to make it seem like they still believe in him or they're improving his stock to others and improving his trade value because teams might see that and be like, oh, maybe. I mean, I'm, teams know this. Like, they're not fooled either. If we can determine, if we can look at this press conference and be like, oh, Joe Douglas doesn't mean that. I guarantee you NFL teams mean it too or can see that as well. But even still, there's no downside to saying it. And that's really kind of what these press conferences are all about. It's not about telling the truth. It's about mitigating downside. Like, that's really all they're trying to do out there. They're not trying to 
express their inner feelings, their actual thoughts on the matter. They're trying to say things in a politically correct way that is not going to get them in trouble. And that's every time the Jets have spoken about Zach Wilson, pretty much since the, the start of the season, since before he was even playing, that's been the goal with him, was just say things about him that are not going to make him seem worse, and it's not going to make him seem worse to not only the team, but to others in the league. So I I agree. I wouldn't read into anything that, that Joe Duck is saying about Zach Wilson. I still think he's probably on the roster in 2023. But that said, and I've said this before on the podcast, he better not be QB2. Like, he, he if he's on the roster, he should be your QB3. He should be inactive every week. He should not be playing. There's no reason you should rely on him or, or even hope uh, or even conceive of a scenario, barring catastrophe, that he's playing next year. Because if that happens... Like that's every everything that they're saying about Zach Wilson that they want to see him develop. It's not going to happen if he's playing next year. Like he needs a full reset. I'm talking he needs an entire year on that bench to completely reset. And obviously, unfortunately, by that point, you're on the last year of his rookie deal. You're not going to pick up his fifth year option. So that's why I, I just don't think he has a future with the organization. But even still, he just better be QB three. Like there's no way he should be the backup. I know people have, have thrown that out there. I've seen Jets beat reporters throw that out there that yeah, it seems likely they're gonna, you know, if they get like Derek Carr, that Zach Wilson will be his backup. No, absolutely not. No, you cannot no, do no. that. You cannot do that. Unfortunately, I like I think the ideal scenario would be to trade him if you can, but the issue with that is is financial. You take on a very sizable dead cap if you trade him before June first. And so that that's a, a a big obstacle that you would have to overcome. If a trade does happen, it would likely happen in the summer. And I think it's just it's less likely to happen then than it is now, because at that point now, whoever, whatever, whoever team's trading for Zach Wilson, they have less, you know, fewer, less time and fewer months to get him acclimated to their system. And, and that's really not what he needs at this stage of his career. One thing that has become abundantly clear in the whole Wilson discourse is that he is no longer viewed as the franchise quarterback with the New York Jets, which has prompted them to go after the two big fish in the offseason pool, Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. And I know that there's been a lot of Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers talk, but allegedly, if we're going to take Aaron Rodgers at his word, which I don't know if I do, honestly, we could be coming to some sort of climax, some sort of closure in the next couple weeks. So I want to start with first what Douglas said, which is that we'll be ready to quote, pull the trigger when we have to regarding both quarterbacks. Now, Rodgers, this is hilarious, Was it finally gets out of his darkness and his spirit quest and his emotional journey. Finally, he, the, the white smoke is out. When asked about his future, he said, quote, this is hilarious. I can't believe he, I really can't believe he said this. I don't want to drag anybody around. You have been dragging people around for years. Years. How long have we been doing it just this year? Two months? How close are we to a re- resolution on this? Any closer? We might be farther away for all we know. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it blows it blows my mind. Now here's one interesting wrinkle to the Aaron Rodgers whole the the saga, the ongoing quest, the ongoing watch. Is just recently the Athletic comes out, and they report that the Las Vegas Raiders, who right now don't have a quarterback after getting rid of Carr, and have been linked to Rodgers in the past because of Devontae Adams, are not going to pursue Aaron Rodgers. They were thought of as not only the favorites to get him, but the main competition for the New York Jets in the Aaron Rodgers chase. Now, 
depending, it's a good Rorschach test, I think, for Jets fans. Depending on how pessimistic or optimistic you are. If you're optimistic, you're going in the clear. We got him. Because that was our big competition. We got an opening. We got Nathaniel Hackett. We have enough draft capital where we could give up stuff for him and still not be completely indebted to the Packers forever. Let's do it. If you're pessimistic, like I tend to be sometimes with this team, I mean, how could you not be? I mean, over a decade since they last made the playoffs, sometimes your brain just naturally goes there. You're thinking, man, are we the only team who wants Aaron Rodgers? Does that not raise your eyebrows? If every single team, think about how many quarterback situations around the league stink right now. Think about how many teams Aaron Rodgers just immediately would make a playoff team or a Super Bowl contender. And one team really wants him? The Jets? Something's, that that makes me nervous. I, I get it. I understand the apprehension, and I understand the, the pessimism as a fellow Jets fan myself. I get it. Believe me. I'll say this, though, about that and why the Jets are the only team that makes a ton of sense for Rodgers. Because they're in a situation right now where they very much are a, a win-now team. Like, they want to bring in a quarterback, even if it's for short-term, even if it's one to two years, that is already can, that they know can play at a high level. They're going to bring in someone that they know is is going to be a top, hopefully top ten quarterback. But it's Rodgers. You're hoping he can still be closer to top five, and you're doing that because you can capitalize on your current window, which is basically just a ton of young, talented players on rookie contracts. That's why you could bring in someone like Rodgers, and that's why drafting a quarterback doesn't make sense for them. For and, and of course, you have the entire stability with the current regime, where Doug, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala know that they have to get it right this year. They cannot draft a quarterback. They have to get someone now that's going to make this team make the playoffs. Because if not, they're gone. Combining all of that, the Jets are really the only team in the league that's in that exact situation. You know, if you look at like the Raiders, they're much more likely, it seems, to incline to draft a quarterback because it doesn't sound like McDaniels is going anywhere anytime soon. If that was the case, they probably wouldn't have moved on from Derek Carr. That was a Josh McDaniels decision. McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, the current, you know, the GM, they made a decision as a regime that they want to bring in a new quarterback. This is their quarterback, whoever they're going to bring in. They have the opportunity and the luxury of being able to draft someone to do that. And that's what it sounds like they're going to do. The Raiders aren't passing on Rodgers because they want to target a different veteran quarterback. They're passing on Rodgers because they want to draft a quarterback. And it's likely similar uh, situation with the Panthers. The Panthers are likely to be in a very similar situation. Uh, where they want to draft a quarterback, it sounds like. Now, they're sort of in the Derek Carr situation, but it's much more likely that it seems like they want to draft a quarterback because they do have a new coaching staff coming in. Their regime is still young. They can do that. And also, on top of that, I don't think the Packers are interested in trading Aaron Rodgers to the NFC. No NFC team has been has been connected to Rodgers because it does not sound like the Packers want to move him within the conference. And if that's the case, there's a lot more NFC teams that have quarterback instability than AFC teams. In the AFC, the Jets and the Raiders were the only two teams that made sense for what Aaron Rodgers is offering for you know that window of opportunity that you want to compete within the next couple of years. But the Raiders, they just want to draft the quarterback. Like that's basically the decision that they made. That's the the athletic report is basically going off of comments that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler said yesterday, which was that they are going to draft the quarterback. Like Dave Ziegler was not shy about that. They pretty much, he pretty much said that they were going to draft the quarterback at some point in the draft and that they weren't looking for a short-term fix. They're looking for a long-term solution. And that's why I don't think Rodgers makes sense for the Raiders. And if the Raiders aren't, you know, in that conversation, who else would be? I don't think it's a situation of teams not wanting Aaron Rodgers. I think it's a situation of the Jets just make the most sense for Rodgers. 
the Jets may make the most sense, but at the same time, like even if you're on the fringe, like the Raiders at the end of the day, they could be saying looking for a long-term solution. If Aaron Rodgers said, I want to play for the Raiders, you don't think they would throw that wholly out the window? Like, I don't know. I don't know if they would. We've we've criticized Aaron Rodgers on this show before, not like on a personal level. Just, I mean, he's weird and his quote-unquote wacky science takes in terms of being unvaccinated, which is – not really something that I vibe with, <laughs> but at the same time, like he's still a well, well, well above average quarterback who could perform at an all pro approximation. I think an approximate level if everything goes right. So the fact that that guy's out there and quarterback plays in such scarcity that teams are going, you know what? We'll roll with an average quarterback. We'll draft a complete unknown Instead of going for him, instead of going for him, like I, I think to me that that's something that's real. I think that there's something weird about his value around the league and how he's perceived. And if you're willing to be pessimistic about the Jets, you could say, well, everyone else realized it, and the Jets are falling for the Brett Favre okie doke again, which that was not. I mean, I, I know he played well and then got hurt, like all of that, but let's just look at the totality of the season. It did not work out well. I don't think he'll be that bad, but there's some parallels there. There's also the inherent risk with Rodgers, though, like a significant inherent risk that I think a lot of teams just don't want to take. I think that's more what it is. It's not that Rodgers can't work out. It's just that there's so much uncertainty with both him in the present and in the future. He's coming off a down season for him, a down season that still would be one of the best, if not the best in Jets history, but a down year nonetheless. He had a thumb injury last year, so he has had some injury trouble recently. And he's going to be 39 years old. There's inherent risk when it comes to Rodgers, even aside from his will-he-won't-he shtick that he's been doing the last few years, where you don't know if he's even going to play next year. You don't know how committed he's going to be. Oh, oh like no, 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 have... Justin. He doesn't want to string anybody along. He doesn't want this to <laughs> – My mistake. <laughs> Didn't My you mistake. hear him? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, like, there's a clear inherent risk when it comes to Aaron Rodgers that I think just teams don't necessarily want to take. The Jets are in a unique position where they have to take that risk. Not maybe not that specific risk, but they have to take a risk this offseason. They're not going to be drafting a quarterback because they don't have the time to sit around and develop him. They had their shot with Zach Wilson. They messed it up. That was Joe Douglas's shot to draft the quarterback right now. Maybe he gets another one in the future, but right now he cannot do that. They have to get a veteran. And Rodgers, there's that risk with him that other teams aren't going to take. But I think the Jets kind of have to. And I think that's why they're interested in, his, in in him. I don't necessarily see it as a red flag that other teams aren't interested because it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense for a lot of teams to go out and get Rodgers because the Raiders don't have to take that risk. They can draft and develop a quarterback. If they want someone like Will Levis to, to mold and maybe they pair him with Jimmy Garoppolo and you have a veteran in there combined with, with a young guy that McDaniels is going to try and mold into his quarterback of the future, they can do that. They have the time to do that. The Jets don't have the time to do that. They have to go out and get someone like Rodgers or Derek Carr. And I think that's why it just makes the most sense for the Jets. Like Rodgers makes the most sense for the Jets. And really no other team is a logical landing spot for me. Speaking of Derek Carr, we got another Derek Carr update at the combine. Because now the, the Carr thing seems to be speeding along a little bit more briskly than the Rodgers situation. So Carr is meeting with the Panthers and the Saints and the Jets again. And also the Indianapolis Colts, but the Colts just seem more like due diligence. They probably are going to end up trading up to the number one pick. They have their eyes set on a couple of the young guys, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. I would be floored if they end up going after Derek Carr. Now, as you hinted at earlier, this is according to uh, David Newton 
of ESPN saying that the Panthers met with Derek Carr, but they're focusing on quote-unquote mid-level quarterbacks in terms of salary, which to me sounds like high-end veteran backup and draft somebody with the number nine overall pick. So I don't think Carolina is going to really be a strong suitor. So if you look at the car suitors, right now there's obviously the Jets, and then he's meeting with the New Orleans Saints again. And I know that we've downplayed necessarily the Dennis Allen links because some stuff has come out about how there's not really – it's not like Rodgers and Hackett where they're very buddy-buddy and they would be willing to pretty much play with each other anywhere just because they have so much mutual respect and mutual admiration for each other. At the same time, though, in an incredibly weak NFC with a team that's always going to spend money, with guys that even if they cut Michael Thomas, which they are probably going to do, because I believe he would have like the highest cap in the league next year. <laughs> Poor Michael Thomas. Even without him, they still have some weapons. They're indoors in a dome, and your road games, you play in Tampa Bay, great weather. You play in Carolina, most of the time, pretty good weather. And then you play in Atlanta, indoors. So that negates the whole car cold weather thing probably get a home playoff game because you could probably just coast through that division. The saints to me are still a very strong competitor with the jets. They can't just take it as, Oh yeah, we're still the favorites in the clubhouse. And it's basically, we get to pick and choose between Carr and Rogers and who we want more. They need to be very acutely aware of the dangers that the saints present to them in this, this chase. That's fair. It does seem like it's down to the Jets and Saints. I know that the Panthers and Colts are both meeting with them. They both expressed interest. I think it was Tom Pellicero, maybe Mike Garofalo, some notable reporter. I don't know. Somebody had reported that three other teams had called uh, and checked in on Carr and then, you know, touched base with him. There's other teams out there that are probably interested, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whoever. Either way, I think it's probably going to be down to the Jets and Saints. And I know what you're saying, and I do agree that the Saints aren't a terrible landing spot for him. And, you know, they're just a team that perpetually rebuilds or perpetually restocks. They don't rebuild. Um, I still think the Jets just, they, they, I think if he were to pick right now, if he could pick, I think he would pick the Jets. Uh, based on everything we've heard about how that meeting went between the two sides, it sounds like they both erased any concerns they had. Carr probably had concerns about fit. Maybe he had concerns about playing in the New York market, whatever his concerns were. Woody uh, Johnson, maybe. Maybe what, whatever, maybe Zach Wilson, whatever the hell his concerns were, right? I think that it seems like those were all put to bed. And it seems like the Jets had any concerns they had put to bed, too. I think both sides are very optimistic and, and would be very happy with the with the deal. Again, it all just comes down to Aaron Rodgers. Like it, it, it's the Jets right now are likely the top external pick for both Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. If Aaron Rodgers is playing next year and it's not in Green Bay, it will almost surely be with the Jets because of reasons we've just discussed. There is no other team that really makes sense as a landing spot for him if he decides that he wants to play next year and it's not in Green Bay. But if he doesn't, like say he says he goes back to Green Bay or say he's going to retire, I think Derek Carr would pick the Jets. The issue is timing and it's. The Jets are waiting on Rodgers, but how long can they realistically wait? And that's really the 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 it's it's basically a big game of chicken. And that's kind of the, the situation that Joe Douglas is in right now. It's a very peculiar and unorthodox quarterback search and quarterback market right now, all because of Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't want to string anyone along, but continues to do so. I, I've never heard someone with worse self. That was one of the least self-aware quotes I've ever heard inside and outside of sports in my entire life. It, it almost sounds like, like, an, like an onion article, like something that would be like Aaron Rodgers says he doesn't want to string anyone along while stringing. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like I'm like, re, it's like the backwards dimension, the mirror dimension. Like what yeah. the, 
so that it really it just comes down to to Rodgers. When does he make his decision? And is there a point where the Jets say, "Okay, we're not waiting on you anymore"? Because right now, what we know is that the Jets, Rodgers, and Carr all want to get this done. Want to make a decision before the start of the legal tampering period, which starts on March 13th. So as of the recording of this day of this podcast, which is March 1st, that's 12 days, less than two weeks from now, the Jets should have a quarterback. And we said this last week. I remember I remember talking on the podcast last week and saying, oh, by the time we meet next week, we should know Roger's decision. Well, it's next week, and we don't know what the hell Roger's decision is. Nobody knows, because guess what? He's freaking ghosted the Packers. He hasn't talked to Matt LaFleur. He's not talking to the Packers organization. So nobody there knows anything. He's going to probably go on the Pat McAfee show or some shit and announce it there. Like, imagine being the Packers and not even knowing what your offseason plan is. You're either running it back and trying to compete next year with a future Hall of Famer or you're restarting and, and building around Jordan Love. I can't imagine being in a Packers situation right now. <laughs> that, you know, Joe Douglas was probably screaming at Gutekunst like, can we get anything on Rodgers? And Gutekunst like, I don't know anything either. Just yeah, he's like, I have no idea. He's probably spoken to him as recently as Joe Douglas has. Like he doesn't know it. He does. They don't know anything. And I'm not even sure Rogers knows anything. Like I genuinely don't know. And what was the point of, of the spear quest? I don't know, man. I don't know. Just an attention grabbing thing. I have no idea. Just why detoxing? Did he you didn't need to go in the dark to do that. Why did he go on this random dude's podcast who like nobody has even heard of, but apparently it's like a close friend of Aaron Rodgers, just to, to, you know, basically hint at, Oh, maybe I'm going to announce anything only to just say nothing, like just nothing of note. It's, it's, I said this on Twitter. It is very reminiscent of the Le'Veon Bell 2019 pursuit where he had that album dropping at midnight and everyone's like, oh my God, he's going to announce who he's signing with on the album. And no, of course he didn't. It was just a way to promote his album. Eventually he did sign with the Jets and well, we don't got to talk about what happened after that, but maybe it's a similar thing with Rogers where we waited up for this, this podcast to drop. I didn't listen to it, thankfully. Other saints, other great people listened to it, transcribed it, uh, and and did the dirty work for us. But maybe eventually Rodgers ends up going to the Jets after that, and he follows the Le'Veon Bell track. Hopefully that's where the comparisons end, and hopefully he wouldn't have a similar career that Bell had with the Jets. Um, but yeah, it, it, everything is just timing here, and it's such a tricky situation for the Jets, for Rodgers, for Carr, because – Right now, Carr, at least from what we've seen, had a really great meeting, and it seems as though he's happy going to the Jets. But if they continue to string him along, because Aaron Rodgers is stringing them along, maybe he's going to get to a point where he's like, well, I'm just going to go somewhere else. You guys clearly don't value me. I'm just going to sign with the Saints. Like if it, if it gets to like March 8th, March 9th, March 10th, we're three days away from, from the, the legal tampering period starting. Like what at that point, if you're the Jets, you can't wait on Rodgers anymore. You have to sign Derek Hart instantly. Like you have to get something done. And even then, if you're March 10th and Rodgers then decides, oh, now I want to trade, you have three days to work out a, a deal. Like it's it's all just it's a messed up timeline and nothing is really happening right now until Aaron Rodgers makes a decision. But if he continues to wait. I don't know how long the Jets can play. It's just so irritating because I want this dude to get some comeuppance for doing this because he's holding <laughs> the entire league hostage, not just the Jets. And not only is he doing that, but at the same time, the Jets had to be like, yes, Aaron, hold the league hostage some more because we want you. Like, it's this weird thing of both, we want you so badly to be our franchise quarterback, and also, can you knock this crap off at the same time? It's one of the strangest things I've ever seen covering the NFL. It's bizarre. And, and this is what he wants, and he's getting away with it, and we have to let him get, get away with it. 
It's driving me nuts. But guess what? If he decides that he wants to play for the Jets, Jets fans are going to forget this shit instantly. Like, and I, I will too, because who cares at that point? If Rodgers does come to the Jets, I mean, I'm not going to like forget it because I'm going to be like, oh, he was annoying for this. But if he says, I want to play for a different team next year, and then the Jets trade for him, it's going to be euphoria. Like everyone is going to be excited. Everyone's going to be thrilled about that. And the Jets are going to have a quarterback they believe can be a top five quarterback who can make them Super Bowl contenders next year. So I don't think he's going to come up and like, I don't think that that's something that, you know, it's he's, he's doing this, but he knows what he's doing. And because he's as good as he is, he can do it. Let, let's take a, let's simmer down and let's look at a trade that isn't going to necessarily shake the foundations in such a seismic way because the jets, although they have good wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, maybe Corey Davis. We don't know. Probably not, but maybe. There's still a need for a deep threat for a guy that can just go and run by people. The Houston Texans have a guy like that in Brandon Cooks, who I do feel bad for because he's been traded what three times in his career, mm-hmm. and he could, and he wants to be traded a fourth time. Now, full disclosure, I'm partial to Brandon Cooks because in the ill-fated Calvin Pryor draft, uh, he was the guy I wanted at 18 overall. I can remember that like little high school me doing some BS draft stuff at 17 years old. Yeah, as much as you can do with the resources you had there. I'm like, oh, Brandon Cooks is going to be amazing. And then they took Calvin Pryor. And as we all know, Calvin Pryor is a thriving all-pro safety right now. (laughs) (laughs) So so Brandon Cooks goes 20th to the Saints, gets traded to the Patriots, ends up going to a Super Bowl but not winning. Then he goes to the Rams, same deal, goes to a Super Bowl, doesn't win, and then ends up with the Houston Texans. Now – Brandon Cooks, it feels like he's been in the league forever. He's still just 29 years old. He'll be 30 in September. He's got a substantial cap hit, though, $24 million. So that, uh, excuse me, uh, $26 million for 2023. And then he's got one more year in 2024. So it's not nothing. And you're probably going to have to give up some draft picks, maybe even a day two pick if it comes to it. At the same time, Brandon Cooks, if you take away his rookie year, where he only played 10 games and was a rookie, he has reached 1,000 yards six times in eight seasons, and he's caught 46 touchdowns. He's had some great quarterback play, obviously. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, obviously, before uh, all the nasty stuff came out to Sean Watson. So some might say, well, his numbers are inflated. Well, at the same time, he was still productive in 2021 with the Texans when they had Davis Mills and a bunch of other no-name guys. Even as his, as he gets older, there's still great speed. There's still good hands. There's still an ability to get open on intermediate routes, shorter stuff. He works well against press coverage for a guy who's that skinny and that slight. If the Jets want to add a receiver, they could take a guy like a Trey Palmer, who we discussed in the past with a day two pick. But if they have enough draft capital left over from potential Rodgers trade or they want to get Carr like a Henry Ruggs-esque deep threat that he could just chuck it to that he wouldn't really have right now, I would not be opposed to the Jets calling up Houston and Nick Casario and saying, look, what do you want for Brandon Cooks? I completely agree, especially because it's such a weak crop of wide receivers free agents, laid free agency. Like right now you're realistically looking at like 
Alan Lazard, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers. Like, that's probably your top three wide receivers in the market. Maybe Michael Thomas, Hardman. Michael Hardman. Maybe Michael Thomas gets released, and that's – but obviously there's major injury concerns with him. But that's what you're looking at right now. And those guys aren't going to come cheap because of the fact that it's such a weak market. Like, Jacoby Myers, I think I saw something. He's looking for, like, 18 to $20 million a year, which is oh, absurd. Oh. Like, that's insane. $18 uh, like, million? Is he worth $9 million? It's 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 insane. I think I think – I'm hold on. I might be making that up. Hold on. I swear I saw – no, no, no. I know the I know the report you were you yeah, were looking okay. at. Okay, good. I just want to make sure I'm not making it up. Um, but yeah, like that, yeah, it was 15, 15 to 20 million. That's what it was. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's what you're realistically looking at. So I know the Jets tried really hard last offseason to trade for a wide receiver. They desperately wanted to. Obviously, they just missed out on Tyree Kill. They were in on AJ Brown, they were in on Debo Samuel. They were really trying to add a wide receiver. Ultimately, they didn't. They just went to the draft and landed a great one there anyway. So everything worked out. But I'd love to see the Jets explore that wide receiver trade market again this offseason because Corey Davis is pretty much gone. Like, I think we can safely say that he's gone. Braxton Berrios might follow him. So you're going to have to revamp that wide receiver room in some way. And given the state of the current wide receiver market, unless you're really trying to, to bargain bin shop and find some kind of value there where you're just going to hope that a dude overachieves and outperforms his contract, the best way to do that would be the trade market. And I think Brandon Cooks makes a ton of sense. His cap hit is a little high, but I don't think you take on all of that if you trade for him. I think it's probably closer to half of that. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Um but it also Texans might pay some of it, I'd imagine. Yeah, but it also wouldn't probably take a ton of ton to get him because I assume this trade will be done after free agency starts, probably before the draft. So you'd already have a quarterback. Hopefully that's Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. And if that's the case, Jets are a great landing spot. I think Cooks would want to go there. That's so that's number one. Unlike last offseason where they're trying to convince wide receivers to come to the Jets, they don't have a quarterback. Like no one knew what Zach Wilson was at that point. You would have a guy who people know is a good quarterback, hopefully, right? Ideally. That's number one. Number two, I don't think it's going to cost a ton. We were talking about this before the, the the show started, but I don't think his value is anything higher than like at absolute most a late day two pick. It's probably day three picks. Like that's my guess because he clearly wants out. Like he's wanted out for a while and the Texans know that they're working very closely with him to try and get a trade to happen. So unless there's a significant bidding war for him, which I don't know if there would be, I know teams are interested, but I don't think his value would raise that much. I don't think you're going to get a ton for him. He's 29. He clearly wants out. He has a high cap hit. Players don't get traded for equal value when they have those that baggage, right? So I think you're really, like you mentioned it before the show, maybe a fourth and a seventh or something. Like, it's not going to take a ton to get him. And it's, if you go out and, like, if you sign Derek Carr, you don't have to give up assets for Aaron Rodgers. You have those draft picks. Signing Derek Carr, pairing him with Garrett Wilson, Brandon Cooks, and Elijah Moore, that's a hell of a wide receiver trio, not to mention Brees Hall, Tyler Conklin, C.J. Ozama, whatever the hell you can get out of Jeremy Ruckert. That's a really good skill position group for Derek Carr. And, of course, you have a great defense. Like, the Jets would be serious dark horse Super Bowl contenders if that happened. Obviously, I think that they're bigger Super Bowl contenders if they get Rodgers. But I, I had a, an article recently come out on the Jet Press. Check it out. Uh, it was, like, five, like, he is the competing for Super Bowl next year, right? And one of them was adding another offensive playmaker because the skill possession group is good. Like, the Jets have a good skill possession group, but they are missing that, like, wide receiver, too, because they don't have it right now. Maybe Elijah Moore can be that guy. Hopefully, he's he's rejuvenated. He's renewed this season under Nathaniel Hackett. But last year, he wasn't that guy. It was a significant drop-off from Garrett Wilson to everybody else. So if you get another legit stud in that offensive skill position group, if that's Brandon Cooks, then you're set. The only problem with that, though, is a lot of other GMs in the league are thinking the same thing. So the Jets, 
I know they got to keep a lot of balls in the air right now with the whole quarterback thing and Carr and Rodgers, but they need to keep an eye on Cooks because there are a lot of teams that could use a guy like Brandon Cooks. I'm going to throw two at you that make a lot of sense that I think might be able to beat the Jets to the punch here. One of them, the Dallas Cowboys, who I think are going to spend a ton of resources into trying to get a number two for CeeDee Lamb. Brandon Cooks, I think, would be very interested in going there because in the, in a weak NFC, I think they're still contenders. I think they would be willing to give up like a day two pick or maybe even more than that if they like a a day two pick and something else maybe to outbid the Jets because I think Jerry Jones is just that kind of Texas businessman guy. That's a horrible accent. Don't even <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> I had I had like a. I had a thing in my mind about what Jerry Jones was supposed to be, and then it just turned into Foghorn Leghorn. So, <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, is really going to want Brandon uh, Brandon Cooks. But if he doesn't get him, I think the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. might go make a run for him because Nico Harbin's going to be gone. Kadarius Tony's there, but if he sneezes too hard, he's out for the for six weeks. We know that about him. Sky Moore, fine, not a vertical threat. Juju, also a free agent, not a vertical threat. The Chiefs have tons of extra draft picks, and they really don't have any pressing needs. I mean, they may be offensive tackle, depending on how Orlando Brown shakes out, but nothing where they need to be like, we need to fix this right now. So that gives them flexibility. Yeah. So if the Jets want Brandon Cooks, they got to act very quickly. I, I agree. I mean, I know it was reported, it was Aaron Wilson that reported it, who said that there's no trade that's imminent right now. I think it's more likely we end up getting a trade or those trade discussions, they amp up after free agency and closer to the draft when teams kind of figure out what their their current situation is. Um, so I don't think it's something that the Jets need to act upon now. First, figure out quarterback. Honestly, second, extend Quinn and Williams. And then third, then we can discuss Brandon Cooks. Hopefully it happens because I, I really do think that that's a great fit for them. Um, I don't know how to segue into it, but hey, let's talk about the draft. Uh, <laughs> good enough for me. <laughs> what a segue. Because uh, this week is the NFL Combine. Um, and so we've been doing this like, you know, the weekly uh, the draft spotlight, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we figured now would be a good time to talk about potential Combine risers. Guys at the Combine this week who maybe could be targets for the Jets, who could help and improve their stock at the event. We see it every year. Uh, whether it's, you know, it, it happens a lot. I can't, Obi Melifonu was the first person that came to mind. I don't know why. How was he not amazing in the NFL? I don't get it. I don't know, man. I, well, I mean, he's an athlete. Like, that's what he, he is. not a football player. He's an athlete. I, I think he got hurt too, didn't he? Like Probably. very early. Wasn't he just playing in the XFL or something? He, he might be. Maybe there was another Melifonu. Yeah, that, he went, the, the other one went to Syracuse. Um, no, he was, all right, he was, oh, he got cut from the XFL. Well, Oh, that is, that is a sobering – that is – He was actually on in the U.S. That, that, that is God going, man, I'll tell you when you're done. Yeah, that's right. I'll Chad Hansen, you. Jets legend, just got caught from the XFL too, so I hope he finds – Oh, my God. They are just – they are massacring my boys yeah, in that it, league. It's rough. But, yeah, uh, there's always – every year there's those guys that improve their stock at the draft combine. Who could it be this year? The guy that I'm looking at is Wisconsin center Joe Tippmann. Uh, we all know that the, the Jets are going to be looking for offensive line help this, this offseason. Connor McGovern's a free agent. It would make a ton of sense for them to look in the free agent market for a center. But if they don't and they want to wait until the draft, Joe Tippmann makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people are looking at Minnesota's John Michael Schmitz, and he is pretty much the consensus top center in this class. But I think Tippmann is, is, very, is a strong contender to be that second best center. And I think he can push up close to where John Michael Schmitz's stock currently is. 
Tipman's a former three-star recruit. The thing that stands out immediately with him is his size. He is massive for the center position. He's 6'6", 317. And because of that, some believe he can move to guard or tackle. And I think you might see teams kind of trying him out there and seeing if he can play that. He, he only started at, at center uh, at Wisconsin. He was a two-year starter. He helped spearhead, whatever you want to say, a, a really, really good Wisconsin run offense. Um, they ranked second in the Big Ten in rushing, and he was a big reason for that. He's someone, because of his size and athleticism, I could see testing really, really well at the Combine. And if he does, I think he can push his way into top 50 consideration or maybe even like it's tough for a center to go first round. And obviously you already have one in John Michael Schmidt. It's rare to see two centers go in the first round. But I think he can work his way into that consideration with a really good combine performance. Um, obviously, the biggest obstacle with him when you have a six foot six center is leverage because he's very tall. That's generally a disadvantage for interior linemen. But I don't know, man. I, I really like his tape. I think he's a, a day one starter. Even if it's not at center, you could consider moving him to guard or even tackle. I think it'd be interesting. Uh, I genuinely think with a really good combine performance, he's absolutely in play for the Jets in the second round. See, I think that Osiris Torrance and Schmitz, if you look at interior offensive line, are starting to kind of separate. However, there's that tier two, Tipman and I think Cody Mock from North yeah. Dakota State, who, by the way, if the Jets draft him, he will be a media darling because he has no front teeth and has long flowing ginger locks. He's like Dan Feeney aura times like 50, like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but if, if the Jets have, I think, equal grades on Mock and Tipman, I think the level of competition that Tipman played at I think that might be enough to push him over the edge, and he could make him a more desirable day two or day three target. My guy, you want to talk about an athletic marvel. Boy, do I have that for you. Owen Papo, a linebacker from Auburn. Now, I'm going to break a personal rule of mine because I don't like when guys give themselves nicknames, especially when you're stealing a nickname from a guy in Javon Curse who called himself the freak. But Owen Papo calls himself the freak. And it was pretty much calling a shot because he ended up on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Hmm. Now, in high school, when he was listed at 210, he ran a 4-4-7 40-yard dash. Allegedly, now he's around like maybe 225-ish. He can run a 4-3-2 as a linebacker. Now, there are questions to his game because he doesn't have great... I think functional strength at the play of attack. I think there were too many plays where he just got completely washed out of it. And I thought for a guy with his athletic gifts, his production was average at Auburn, I think is a good way to say it. But at the same time, if you're a linebacker who can easily add five pounds and then end up around 230 in size, not a concern, and you run a 4-3-2 or even anything below like a 4-4 or a 4-4-5 and you show good agility, you are going to fly up those draft boards. Now, Now, I I really became a big fan of Papel when I was watching the Penn State game because he was just flying all over, making plays, very good in coverage. Sean Clifford famously was trying to run for a first down, and Papel, I think, knocked his helmet into the next county out of the stadium. So he's got some nice hitting power for a linebacker his size. So it's not just a complete gamble on, on traits here. So if the Jets want smaller linebackers that can cover a lot of ground, which I think is kind of what they look for. That's why they drafted two college defensive backs and Jamin Shore and Hamza Nasruddin and converted them into linebackers. I think Papo could be a nice day two target as opposed to a guy like maybe a Noah Sewell 
who's a bigger, more traditional linebacker. I don't know if that's necessarily what they're looking for. I, I agree. I think it's much more likely you see them target someone like Papo or my guy Trenton Simpson, who I brought up last week, or even your guy Drew Sanders, than like a Jack Campbell, right? Where it's just like this is just a tradition. Two down thumping Big Ten white yeah. guy. Yeah. That every year there's one. It was Josie Jewell in Iowa a yep. couple of years yep. ago with the Broncos. Yeah. Every year there's one. Iowa, was- Iowa seems to spit out a few. Uh, it's just very much an Iowa. Even uh, though it was the Pac 12, Evan Weaver. Yeah. Over Evan Cal, Weaver. Who comes from. Justin Wilcox, Wisconsin guy. Every year there's yep. one. This year it's Jack, it's Jack Campbell. Yeah. So I, I think given what we know about the Jets and their the Robert Sala and the way that they like to construct their defense, they're definitely a lot more likely to target someone like Papo. And he does make sense. Like they love those athletic linebackers who can cover in space, who have range, who can hit. Look at Quincy Williams. That's literally all he is, is just a dude who can cover a lot of ground and hit really hard. That's his game. So I think Papo definitely makes sense for them. Uh, There's a few of those really intriguing linebackers on like day two. I don't know if there's a single linebacker in this class that I'd want to take day one, but there's a few of those guys like second, third, even fourth round that are very appealing for for the Jets and for any team. I, I, I really do. I like going Papo. And with that, we are officially going to bring this episode to a close. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've really had some good reception over the last few weeks. So thank you guys for supporting us, for coming back every week. We love you. We appreciate you. As always, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcast. Give us a five-star review. Get us up those charts. Find us on YouTube. Hit that little bell. So you can get a buzz on your phone when we go live and I'll let my man, Justin, take us home here. Yes, sir. Dude. I, I hope the next time we do this, that we actually know like something about the Jets quarterback situation. Cause I know I said that last week, but if we don't know by March 8th, it would be then what the Jets are doing at quarterback, at least what we, if we don't know about what Aaron Rodgers is doing, I'm, I'm going to have some kind of a rant and I don't want to do that. I, 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 I can't keep talking about spirit cleanses. I, I don't <laughs> want to talk any, we have the same, a similar Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers discussion every single week. So hopefully next week is different. Hopefully we know something. We appreciate you guys for watching. As always, like Mike said, thank you for joining the show. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T free and follow the jet press on Twitter at the jet press. Like Mike said, you can follow or download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube, subscribe, like, notification bell. You guys know what to do. We've told you multiple times now. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you for listening to the Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. See you guys next week. See you folks next week.